Do you love Marvel but are tired of hearing Cheeto-stained white guys talk about it? Are you hoping to see the X-Men and Avengers face off? Do you secretly want to be Jessica Jones or Daisy Johnson? Or do you want to be with Valkyrie? If so, you've found your new favorite podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris and Madam Amy, and we are here to give you the commentary you want. Marvel, minus the mansplaining. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and visit us at themarvelousmadams.com. Madams, assemble. Hey there, folks. Hey there, folks. Hey there, folks. Hey there, folks. We can't laugh at ourselves. Well, hey there, folks. I was wondering if you'd catch on. I knew that's what you were doing. (laughs) This is the Slay Queens podcast. The Slay Queens podcast. Slay Queens is a podcast dedicated to the discussion of true crimes that occur within the queer community. This is a note to remember that the topics that we discuss can be very graphic and often lurid in nature. Listener discretion has been advised. Hey folks, before we get started, Ashley and I just wanted to pop on and let everybody know that this episode has been edited by your podcast editor. Yes, and if you have a podcast, you can contact him and receive two edited episodes totally free. You can find him on Instagram at yourpodcastedit. Save time, take your podcast to the next level. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everyone. Hi, hi, hi. Hi, Wayne. Hello, Ashley. Welcome back to all the folks. Welcome back to everyone, including yeah. Ashley and, and myself and the folks. That's right. Yes. Everyone. 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 Hi, hi, hello. Hi, hello to Welcome. you all. <laughs> Queens, kings, and folks. That's right. Welcome back to this place that we call... The Slay Queens Podcast. That is correct. There's a thing that happens here. We take a deep dive into the dark side of the rainbow. Oh, you're so smart. I do. You're we so do. You're so smart. Yeah. <laughs> I am. You're so smart. I'm smart. You're so smart. Yes, welcome back, everybody, to the thing that she said, where we do the thing that she said. (laughs) That's right. Yes, and we are here for you all. Yes, we are. Being uh, queer and sometimes quirky and sometimes funny. Sometimes. Sometimes sad and somber. That's true. We bounce around. It's like an emotional roller coaster. Absolutely. Every time. But if you know the gays, you know that's our baseline. (laughs) It's just normal. Yeah, that's the norm. That's the per use. The per use. And per use. Per use. We're going to do a rainbow star. A rainbow star. Rainbow yes. because we are queer folks or you are a queer ally if you're listening to this. Hopefully, right. maybe. Hopefully. And we also offer you all spotlights. We give thank yous. We make announcements or acknowledgments. And then we give you all recommendations that we have put the Slay Queen stamp on. And we're officially saying that they're not solicited. Not unsolicited. They are solicited. They're solicited because <laughs> if you're here and you're listening to this, you want them. You want to know. You want to know what we're doing and what we like and what we're trying to get you to what also we, enjoy. What we recommend. What we recommend. All right. So in a non per use yeah. now, right? Now it's totally un per now. Yeah, because it was originally a per and, and then it officially became a non per <laughs> Or like a per Okay, so, so yeah. I'm going to start. Yeah, pretty much. Is, is what we're saying. <laughs> I'm going to start. Something's happening and it starts with me. Uh, yeah. Okay, so we wanted to spotlight the fact that there has been some forward movement and momentum in the Kristen Smart case. Those of you who have listened to us for a while now yes. know that that is one of those cases that has just boggled my mind. Yes. 
for many years. A long at this time point. now. A long time at this point. We knew that uh, some evidence had been found that indicated that uh, Paul Flores and his father, Ruben Flores, were persons of interest. Which was no surprise. Which was no but, surprise, yeah. but everyone else had to catch up. That's everyone right. else in the world had they to catch up. They had to up. figure it out. There were preliminary hearings that took place, and apparently those have been taking place for, for quite a while. Yeah, and it's been a while. Yeah, as of four days prior to this recording, so by the time you folks hear it, it's going to be information that's a couple of weeks old, yeah. most likely. But as of four days prior to this recording, the judge has determined that sufficient evidence has been presented against the two in such a way that they will, in fact, stand trial for the murder of Kristen Stewart, and that's Paul Flores, and his father for uh, being an accessory to the murder after the fact. Yes. So hopefully after a lot of years, because this was, what, 1996? Yeah. After a lot of years, this poor girl and her family will finally get some answers and injustice. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So what about... What's next? What's, What's next? next? Thank, uh, yous. thank yous. Oh, yes. yeah. Thank yous. Yes, thank I yous. had a thank yous. We're going we're gonna... to... Spelling is hard. We're going to go... <laughs> I was like, what's next? Uh, T, 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 T. What's a twit? That's an A, honey. Yeah. So thank you. I wanted to say thank you. I've had like a handful of clients, actually more than I would have expected, of clients, guests, whatever I call them on that given day that have come in. And I, you know, it's been a few weeks. I've mentioned Le Podcast, like, you know, my part-time job. Because somehow it ends up a lot of the time, if you're seeing someone for a couple of hours, you probably eventually get to the true crime part of your life. And when you're someone who likes true crime, usually it's like, oh my God, let's talk about all these things. And then, of course, the fact that I have a podcast. Anyways, long story short, lots of clients who have said they've been listening and that they've been enjoying. So I wanted to say thank you. If you are listening, you know who you are. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been like, it's like, I never know what to say in person. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, really? Thank you. Yeah. You know, like it's kind of embarrassing. It is, but it's, it's really cool to then be able to kind of like chat with that person about like that particular case too. Like, Absolutely. I thought you were right when you said this, but did you think about that? And you know, it's just, it really has like spilled over into my like real life job and I'm kind of yeah. loving it. So thank you. I envy you in that way. Cause it definitely <laughs> spills over into your real life more than it does mine. That's fair. It really does. <laughs> you only and- have me for this. Yeah. And you have such supporters. Like this past weekend, we went out to celebrate you we did. being uh, the bride, I'm the bride to be. And I met a group of people or I was around a group of people, some of whom I had met before, but, you know, haven't really like sure. spent a ton of time with and some whom I hadn't really yeah. met before. And they're all like, oh, I know you from the podcast. And- <laughs> You know what I mean? That's awesome. And it really is because, like I said, I love you that. have such a great group of supporters. Oh, thank you. That it, I'm a little bit jealous. Well, you're one of them. So, I mean, I'm one of yours. So, That's true. I got That's you. That's true. I got you. <laughs> Good deal. I like yeah. that. So, what's next? Uh, next? You're going to acknowledge something. We are going to acknowledge slash announce Announce. No, something. I guess it's more of an announcement. Yeah. Now. Yeah. But it's not really an announcement because we're just thinking about it's it. It's an almost announcement. Yeah, it's almost an announcement. Yeah. I think we're going to require you. Yes, you. Yes, you. You listening. You cleaning your fridge right now or yeah. sitting in traffic. Uh, you. That's usually what I'm like. That's really yeah. funny because that's totally me. <laughs> so we're talking to you. We are thinking that we might bring back some of the shallow dive episodes. Yeah. They were just fun for Ashley and I to record and they were super easy. And since 
our lives have gotten kind of busy and hectic and we've reduced our recording schedule a little bit of the regular episodes, we still want to be able to put content out for you folks. Yeah, just a little extra added something. A little something. extra added something so that you're hearing from us hopefully weekly again. Sure. And we want you to let us know if that's something that you would all be interested in or if it would just be something that uh, I don't want to say would be a waste of our time, but wouldn't necessarily be the best use sure, of sure, our time. Sure. So do you want it or no? Do you want it? <laughs> do you want to hear it or no? Yeah. It would actually just kind of end up being like a really long rainbow star-ish type situation. Yeah. But uh, let us know. Let us yeah. know. We'll probably throw some polls up on the social medias, but also dive into those DMs and let us know what you think. Please do. Please do. And I'm going to volley it back I knew it. I knew you were going to. Ashley for <laughs> uh, recommendations. And I'm going to hold on. It's Yay, my time sports ball. Sports ball games. <laughs> okay, recommendations. I'm going to stay on my Rami Malek kick. Okay. And we're going to turn it, though, a couple years back because I'm late to the game with this show. This happened again because, you know, I've been saying before on previous episodes how I'm somehow dwelling in the Christian Slater world. I don't know why. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, there is definitely not, Mm -hmm. but it just keeps happening. So I've always wanted to watch this show, Mr. Robot, because of my Rami obsession, of course. I had no freaking idea until Christian's face showed up on the screen, and I, like, threw my remote and my coffee. Like, why is this (laughs) happening? And Sierra's like, isn't that that one guy? I'm like, yes, that's that one guy. (laughs) But Christian, hashtag, why are you so obsessed with Like, (laughs) honestly, you're just, like, infiltrating every show. No, Mm -hmm. it's super good. It's heavy, okay. but it's super, super good. If you didn't watch it before, or maybe you watched it when it first came out, now's your reminder to go back and rewatch because it's a great show. It's Sierra kind of fell out of it a little bit, I think, because it's more, it's more like suspenseful than like most of the shows that we watch. It's more like waiting, hurry up and wait for things to happen, yeah. which I love. I just want to be anxious the whole time. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we started that, what, two weeks ago, and I'm already almost at season three, I think. Okay. <laughs> So we're powering through. But yeah, yeah that's my recommendation. Okay. That's, that's a it. lovely one. I might it have is. to look into that myself. You would really like it for sure. All right. So I have something to recommend that's kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. Okay. Uh, Q-Force? Mm-hmm. Not Okay. So I'll explain and then you'll connect like one dot at least. Okay. 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 All right. So Q-Force, it's a Netflix original. It's an animated series, but it's one of those adult animated series. Sure. The best way that I can describe it is it's a queer archer. Oh, my God. I'm obsessed already. Yeah. It's a queer archer where they have, like, a gay male character. They have a black female lesbian character. They've got, like, the super twinky, super flamboyant, like, drag queen character. Why do I feel like now I've seen this before? There's, like, (laughs) a... a, They've not labeled this person, but... As a queer person who's just trying to identify, like, the behaviors and Mm -hmm. and pick up on the language and the terminology that's being used around this person and whatnot, I would think is, like, a non-binary individual character. and they have um, every part of our flavors of the rainbow. Exactly. And it's it's definitely, like, a a spy group, and they call them Q-Force because they're queer. So queer force. That's hilarious. I don't want to give too much away, but it is absolutely fucking hysterical. There have been some mixed reviews of it online because some people felt like it's too pandering. I get that. To the queer community. But like my response when I was reading some of those reviews is, well, why the hell can't it be too pandering to the queer community? Why can't we have it? (laughs) We're asking for it as opposed to 
programs that don't pander at all, at all yeah. to the queers. Like, why can't we have this? Yeah. There is such well-placed inside kind of queer humor. I love that. Like jokes that you wouldn't get unless you were actually a queer person sure, sure, sure. or you were close to the queer community. Yeah. You know what I mean? You definitely. So funny. Yeah. No, I love and that. I'm going to connect a dot. So the drag queen character, very, I think, I think his name is Twink. Uh, very twinky, <laughs> like flamboyant drag queen character is in said series. I'm sorry, my, my thought processes are kind of slow. You're fine. In said series, and there's this episode where he's arguing with like the new boss who's like this straight guy who wants to take over like his office space, right? Okay. okay. And he does all this drag because he's a master of disguises. And I love that. Yeah, yeah. So That's awesome. he needs a lot of space yeah. for all of his accoutrement. That's right. Right? <laughs> and I sent you that little video yes. of him going, I require a lot yes. of room for my accoutrement. That's, I remember that now. That's yeah, yeah. Like, well, now I feel like I've seen a clip yeah. of this. Was I at your house at one point and yeah. watched this? No, you sent me a clip. I, yeah, I literally, ah, I literally saw it and was like, well, I have is. to send that to Ashley. That's totally yeah. me. So Queer Force, or Q Force on Netflix. That's Total hilarious. recommendation. Yeah. Love, there actually love, love was, that. there was an episode of some HGTV show that I was watching where it was it's like forever home or something like that, where they okay. buy a house that they're going to live in forever and like they fix it up. Right. And it was this queer couple. And one of them, it was two men. One was a drag queen. And the one man was saying, he's like, I just need a space to keep all of my dresses and makeup. Doesn't that like every normal couple, right? <laughs> I'm like, this guy's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. And definitely a great episode to watch if I could remember the show. But anyways, yeah, that sounds great. I might yeah. have to watch that. You tonight. absolutely should. It's yeah. really, really, really good. I, I love adult like cartoons it. too. I mean, that's yeah. totally. It's totally a gay archer. I like, love that. There's no better description. I love that. All right, so let's take a quick break, and I will come back and tell you a story that I don't know what you it is. don't even know about yet. No, you kept I, it in good. You didn't tell. I did. Me. You didn't well, spill see, the beans. I had planned something completely different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you and I spent some time together over the weekend, and I was inspired to do something okay. different. Okay, I so like this. All right, this all is right, kind of right. for you. I like this. All Aww. right, but we'll be back in a moment. A moment. And the time has come. We are back, 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 back again. We are back. We are here, and I have uh, surprises for Ashley. I'm, like, weirdly excited for this. And for <laughs> all of the listeners. Yeah. So, are you ready to get into I'm this? I'm so ready. Let's just okay. do it. All right. Yeah. So, Ashley, do you remember? We've been doing this podcast for a little while now. Yeah. A while. And we were doing the podcast for sure, definitely last spooky season. Yes, for sure. Okay. So remember during spooky season last year, we took an episode, I think it was two episodes actually it ended up being, and we suspended the Slay Queen's rules to tell some stories that didn't necessarily fall into the queer niche. That's right. Right? Yes. Because yeah. they were stories that inspired some of our favorite Movies. Horror uh -huh. movies. Yes. Okay. So yes. I really wanted to do that again this year, but I couldn't figure out a good way to go about it. Okay. I actually even saw this like thing, this reels thing on at the gym that kind of alleged that Friday the 13th was inspired by the Lake Bottom murders in Finland, like in the 60s. Oh. And I did a little bit of research on that. Turns out it wasn't. Like it was just okay. this like, it's just this like theory, theory. that yeah, people sure. have, right? Yeah. But uh, I was spending some time with you over the weekend, and we had a conversation about Candyman. We did. And I remembered that 
there is a real true crime element to the story of the original Candyman movie. Okay. Did you know that? I don't. I feel like no. Like, I feel like I really didn't know that. Well, we're going to talk about it today. Okay. Okay. So I think most people who are fans of that movie and fans of horror or or have just really a basic concept of, like, the air quotes legend of Candyman. Sure. They understand that there's no way that was inspired, like, completely by, like, a true crime, right? No, definitely. It was obviously influenced by a few different elements, like Bloody Mary, clearly. definitely. You know, the urban legend of Bloody Mary influenced it. I also learned in doing this research that Clive Barker wrote a book of short stories. And in that book, he wrote a short story that was essentially the basis for uh, most of the story Candyman. And I have that here. It's called The Forbidden. So if anybody wants to look that up, it's by Clive Barker, written by Clive Barker. It's a short story. It's called The Forbidden. So there are a lot of similar elements to the movie Candyman, the 1992 one, the original. Interesting. But there is a true crime that also influenced some of the components of the movie. And that is the murder of Ruthie Mae McCoy. Okay. All right. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm here for it. So first, I'm going to cite some sources. I got a lot of information, like a lot of information from... An article that was published by the Chicago Reader. I found it on chicagoreader.com. I'll link to everything that I'm talking about in the show notes. And actually, a lot of different places that you'll go in and try to find information about this case just reference back to that article. Sure. So oh, that was Hellraiser too. So this makes total sense. Yeah. Okay. I also got a lot of good information from the lineup.com and I found a, a Reddit thread that was titled Who Killed Ruthie Mae McCoy? That had a lot of really good information about the perpetrators and the trial. I love a good Reddit. Yeah. Yeah. I thank you, all the Reddit folks who are kind. Yeah, that's true. There are some trolls out there. Sometimes I read some comments and I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's that's no (laughs) That's aggressive and why? All right. So we are going to talk about this case because you'll know, you'll hear, you'll pick up and you'll understand I'm ready for this. The components of it that influenced the movie. Sure. We're going to let this unfold. All right. So here we go. At 8.45 p.m. on April 22nd of 1987, Chicago Emergency Services received a 911 call from one Ruthie Mae McCoy of Chicago's South Side. I did want to mention here also that I've heard and read of this same area being referred to as the Near West Side. But I'm not familiar enough with Chicago to know which is the most correct. Sure, sure. (laughs) Yeah. So if any of our Chicago listeners want to weigh in on that, I welcome the feedback. But Ruthie May, or Miss May, as she was more commonly known by some of her peers and neighbors, began this frantic conversation with the dispatcher. And I've asked Ashley (laughs) to play along with me here. To play dispatcher one in this scene. And I, naturally, am going to be (laughs) Ruthie May. All right, so this is the conversation. I'm a resident at 1440 West 13th Street, and some people next door are totally tearing this down, you know? What are they doing, ma'am? They want to break in? Yeah, they throw the cabinet down. From where? I'm in the projects. I'm on the other side. You can reach, can reach my bathroom. They want to come in through the bathroom. All right, ma'am, at what address? 1440 West 13th Street, apartment 1109. The elevator's working. 
1109? All right. What's your name, ma'am? Ruth McCoy. All right. I'll send you the police. And scene. Well, that was that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> that was fun. That was yeah. a cold read, too. I'm yeah. impressed with us. We should do uh, a little bit more of those right? things. <laughs> that was All fun. Right. So the telephone call ends, and the dispatcher, uncertain as to exactly what Ruthie May was trying to report, confused by statements like, they throwed the cabinet down, and they want to come in through the bathroom. Yeah, he essentially just gets to the end. He's like, I'm just going to send the police. Yeah, I'm just, going on and I'm I don't just going to send somebody. I don't yeah. really understand what's going on. And I can understand the confusion. I don't necessarily understand some of the decisions that he's made. And uh, we'll talk about that right now. He assigned a beat car from the 12th District of Chicago's Police Department to the complaint. A complaint which responding officers were told was, quote, a complaint from a neighbor and not a potential home invasion. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. like a noise complaint. Yeah. It, it was more like a noise complaint and not, hey, someone's Which could be taken totally differently as the op- responding officer. Absolutely. This is a like a, a non-threatening situation versus sure. someone's in danger situation. Yeah. Like, and I have in my notes here, which sounds to me like complete negligence, and I guess explains why law enforcement had not yet arrived to the scene by 9.02 when a second 911 call came in concerning apartment 1109. Oh. This one was from a woman who said that she had been walking through the hallway when she heard gunshots coming from inside the apartment. Then at 9.04, another neighbor called to report uh, gunshots and what they said was hollering from inside apartment 1109. So they kind of like waited, like, is that what we heard? Yeah. Okay, we're just going to call just in case. Just in case. Yeah. And then responding officers were given this updated information, and then fortunately, two additional police cars were dispatched to the scene. Because now people are starting to understand that this isn't just a crazy woman being nonsensical. Yeah. This is a potentially really dangerous situation for someone. Well, that's good at least. Yeah. All right, so four officers finally arrive at Ruthie May's door, and that's at approximately 10 minutes after 9 p.m., which ends up being, what, a total of, like, 25 minutes after the initial call was placed. And, I mean, I understand that this was in the 80s, so things could have been a bit different then. And it really just depends on, like, what type of community you live in or, like, if you're in a rural community or, like, an urban, suburban community, whatever. But the national average for emergency services is like 13 minutes. That sounds right. Response yeah, time. That makes sense. Yeah, you would so, know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would know. <laughs> I've been there, done that. So 25 minutes feels a little excessive to me. Yeah. All right, so they show up, they pound on the door, they announce their presence, they call out for Ruthie May, but no one answers. They radioed their dispatch, asking them to actually call back Ruthie May's number. So they're standing there listening to her phone ring. And ring and ring. Oh, that's so creepy. But no one answers. No. Two of the responding officers eventually drove a block away over to the project manager's office to get the key to apartment 1109. So, like, the manager's office, they, in theory, would have a spare key to all of the residences, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the key that they received did not fit Ruthie May's lock. So she changed it at some point. Someone changed it at some point. Someone changed it at some point. Yeah. Which... We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Okay. This left the officers wondering what to do. Question whether or not they should break into the apartment. Their attempts to gather more information by talking with neighbors also didn't help. No one across the hallway from 1109 answered their doors, and the apartment next door was said to be vacant. 
The neighbors in the apartment down the hall said no, they hadn't heard or seen anything unusual that night, which, you know, some people just don't want to get involved, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Other residents on the floor said that an elderly woman lived in apartment 1109. A woman named Miss May, who, quote, always answers her door, end quote. Ah, that's, Mm -hmm. yeah. I was just talking about this the other day, how I do, don't answer my door if I don't know someone's coming. I don't. Like, unless I know who that person's exactly going to be, like, I don't answer it. Well, and it's interesting that you say that because the fact that they got this information from her neighbors left the officers on the scene wondering if perhaps this time... Ruthie May had opened her door for the wrong person. Yes, that has to be. Because especially, you know, they say that thing about like no signs of forced entry. Like that happens a lot, though, because it's someone unsuspecting. You know, they don't have to force themselves in or they don't have to make a mark doing it anyway. Exactly. You know, exactly. They reached out to the building's janitorial staff next, but soon discovered that there were no additional keys anyone knew of to apartment 1109. So in light of all these things. Police did the only air quotes reasonable and logical thing they could think of to do. Oh, boy. They left. Oh, my God. All right. Well, (laughs) nothing to see here. Yeah, exactly. They peaced out. They're like, sorry, nothing to see here. Just move along, folks. No. They peaced out. They just left. Cool. Cool, 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 right? Well, not exactly. Because the following evening, Chicago PD got a phone call from a woman named Deborah Lasley, Lasley a resident of the 11th floor, and a neighbor to apartment 1109. Deborah said that every morning, Ruthie May would normally stop by her apartment on her way out of the building, and she would also stop back into her apartment when she returned to the building in the afternoons. But on this day, she hadn't stopped by at all. Deborah, who had also seen the police at Ruthie May's door the night before, was worried that something really horribly, like, bad had happened. Now, side note, it's really smart to have a friend in your apartment building that you, like, literally see every single day on exactly. purpose. Like, that's kind of genius. I mean, you probably weren't doing that on purpose, like, just in case something happens, yeah. but it's not in, a bad in idea. In this case, it worked out. Yeah. I used to say that about the show Friends all the time. Like, nobody hangs out that often with their friends, but definitely if something happened to one of them, yeah, they would sure. know immediately. <laughs> and that was before cell phones, really. So exactly. good for yeah. them. They were being smart. All right. So this time the police, they get the phone call. They send their own people out, but they also contacted the Chicago Housing Authority and asked them to send some security officers out to the same complex. So about half a dozen police officers, as well as four or five guards, security guards, arrived at the scene, but they were met with more unanswered knocks to the door and more unanswered calls for Ruthie May to come to the door. According to neighbors who witnessed this, most of the police on scene that night thought they should break down the door. But security discouraged this. One of them raised the possibility of the tenant potentially suing the police if they broke down the door. And they also stated that if the police busted down the door, they would then be responsible for securing the residence until such time as that door could be fixed. So at that, by all accounts, both the police and the security officers shrugged their shoulders and they left again. Based on, like, technicalities of, like, property damage. Are you joking? That's insane to me. Yeah. Benefit versus risk, right? Right. Like, come on. Come on. Yeah. Okay. So the next day, with still no sign or word from her friend, Deborah Lasley or Lasley took her concerns to the project property manager's office. At about 1 p.m., a project official arrived to Ruthie May's door with a carpenter 
who he had drill through the lock. Making entry into the home, the small group found Ruthie Mae McCoy in her bedroom. She was lying on her side in a pool of blood with one hand placed over her chest. The apartment had been ransacked, everything of value had been taken, and a faint smell of rot rose through the air. <sighs> oh, it's just awful. And you did that to yourselves. It you is waited really that awful. Yeah. Okay, so before we go any further in this story, because we've already talked about a pretty good bit. Sure. Let's talk about who Ruthie Mae McCoy was. She was born in a town called Hughes, Arkansas, as one of eight children. When she was very young, uh, Ruthie Mae's family, like numerous other Southern Black families at the time, moved to Chicago's South Side looking for a better life and better opportunities. But the promise of the big city was sweeter than its reality. Even just scraping by was a challenge for large families living in the poor neighborhoods of the South Side. In efforts to support them, Ruthie Mae's father loaded coal onto wagons in various locations and yards around that part of the city, earning just meager wages. Ruthie Mae attended Phillips High School for a little more than a year, but ultimately did not pursue any further education until just months before she died, she was attempting to get her GED. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Signs of mental illness began appearing when she was in her 20s. Relatives said they didn't know exactly what the true nature of Ruthie Mae's illnesses were, and they could only offer hazy accounts of how that, like, air quotes, mental illness uh, showed itself. They said the woman reportedly talked to herself very often, and she had these unexpected outbursts of anger on a regular basis. Raised devoutly as Baptist, Ruthie Mae's family suspected spiritual concerns were the cause of, quote, what went wrong with her. I see. Yeah. Believing that Ruthie Mae's problems began, quote, when she got out of God, end quote. Got out of God. Got out of God. So. Okay. Translation, I guess, as an adult person, Ruthie Mae didn't routinely and regularly go to church sure. and, and practice, I guess, the Baptist denomination. So she must be like possessed. So she must in have a demon way. inside yeah. her. Yeah. Ruthie Mae McCoy never married, but became a mother to her only child, whose name was Renita, at the age of 27. Renita's father didn't stick around long, and his desertion of the two left Ruthie Mae bitter towards men in general. So, same girl. Right? (laughs) (laughs) I see you. (laughs) Renita recalls that she often had to stay with relatives as a child because her mother was institutionalized several times for behavioral health issues. Ruthie Mae worked a few humble jobs. But her mental health prevented her from holding on to work for more than just a month or two. So she spent most of her adult life participating in financial aid programs. That's rough. Yeah. One of those programs offered Ruthie May a home within a Chicago Housing Authority public housing development. Her home was part of the ABLA buildings. The name ABLA was an acronym for the names of the four different housing developments that together constituted one large site. Uh, Stood for Adams, Brooks, Loomis, and Abbott. Together, there was a total of 3,596 units in those buildings, and it ended up holding more than 17,000 occupants or residents. That's like a town. Mm Mm-hmm giving it the second largest population in Chicago Housing Authority 
The first of which was, do you care to take a guess, Ashley? I was just going to say this was very Candyman vibes, but... Cabrini Green. That's... Mm-hmm. I couldn't think of the name, but as it was in the same area. It, yes. Yeah. Shut up. Uh-huh. That's wild. And also, apparently... My mind is blown! Yeah. Also, apparently, the Robert Taylor Homes, which was another site... I guess they were tied for first as far as like populace and population with okay. Cabrini Green, yeah. uh, but they were both mentioned. That's and of a course, lot of people. Yeah, the ABLA where uh, Ruthie May lived was the second highest populace. And I guess if you're saying too, yeah, this is for like large families mm-hmm. that don't have much money, then yeah. it makes sense there be that many people. Wow, that's wild. Yeah. Mind blown. It, isn't it? Sh- Honestly, it's kind of crazy, right? <laughs> that's crazy. All right. I had no idea. Though on the surface, this might sound like a really positive development in Ruthie May's life, in reality, this was the last resort for the woman. You see, statistically, at those times, residents of the ABLA were beaten, raped, and murdered more than twice as often as was the citywide average. Wow. It was quite literally live in this dangerous situation or experience homelessness and be in... Like, what's more dangerous to you? Exactly. At least if she's living in this apartment, she doesn't have to deal with, like, the weather elements. That's fair. But that's it. You've got a roof over your head, but that's basically it. That's it. it. You're not going to freeze to death in the harsh Chicago winters, but you might get murdered. Well, But better know how to defend yourself. Exactly. Wow. All right. Despite these horrifying realities... And the struggle of, quote, battling the demons inside as well as the ones around her, end quote. That was something that I read. I did not say that. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I am not, not making their words, that not statement. Mine. Yep. Ruthie May was determined to make the most of her situation. In the months just before her death, she had begun seeking regular outpatient treatment for her behavioral health at Mount Sinai Psychiatric Center. And I think sh- her official diagnosis was uh, schizophrenia. Yeah. That would have been yeah, one and I she was guessed. receiving the appropriate treatment for that, yeah. and they said that like she had a good outcome and like a good trajectory as long as she stayed like on her medication sure, sure. and kept receiving regular treatment. Uh, remember when her friend and neighbor Miss Deborah said that Ruthie May would stop in for a visit on her way out in the mornings and then stop back in to visit in the afternoons? Yeah. That's where she was going. She was going to the outpatient like psychiatric center for treatment. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. It was also there at the psychiatric center that staff members helped Ruthie May get approved to receive Supplemental Security Income, or SSI. And for people who maybe didn't grow up knowing what SSI is, like myself, (laughs) my mom got SSI benefits. SSI benefits are federal financial aid for people who suffer from either a physical or behavioral disability. Ah, that makes sense. I just didn't know what... Okay, that makes sense. Gotcha. These benefits raised her monthly income from the $154 she had been receiving a month. $154 a month. Wow. Yeah. Raised it to $340 a month. Okay. Ruthie May's SSI benefits were actually paid retroactively from the date of her initial application in September to the date of her first check, which was on February the 10th. Okay, so she's got some back yeah, coming. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. the first one was a big one in yeah. the amount of $1,979, okay. which was amazing. It sure. was literally the most money she had ever had at um, one she time. She probably cried. I would have cried. Yeah. <laughs> and she intended to put it to good use. Absolutely. She intended to use the majority of this money to get out of public housing, to get out of the ABLA. Get a good like deposit on an apartment. Exactly. Gotcha. 
But first, she also bought a few a few things for herself because why wouldn't you? Yeah. She's been living this Especially really when you have nothing. Yeah, she's been living this really impoverished lifestyle. Like yeah. why wouldn't she buy some things for herself? So she bought herself a nice winter coat. She bought a few other articles of clothing and she bought some inexpensive things just for the household. Inexpensive household items like a 19-inch color TV or something, I think is what I read. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, people in the project were very observant, and they noticed that Ruthie May was doing some spending. Of course. Later, detectives who investigated the murder believed that the killers invaded her apartment because they figured she had a tiny sum, or a tidy, rather, tidy sum of money stashed somewhere That's just what they're going to assume. Oh, she must be, like... Selling something or making money some other way, and she must have some stashed somewhere. So tragically, in essence, the money that Ruthie Mae McCoy planned to use to get out of the ABLA homes so that she could start a better life got her killed. Wild. It's really tragic. That's just so upsetting. All right. So what happened? (sighs) That's going to bring us back to the actual crime itself. Just a reminder, after, oh, two full days... From the initial 911 call, after no one had seen nor heard of this poor woman, after calling multiple times, beating on her door, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, someone finally decides to force entry. And it wasn't even the police. (laughs) (laughs) How ironic is that? Yeah, it was the, uh, remember, it's the person from the project manager's office. Oh, yeah. Carpenter. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they go in. They find... Like, fuck it. We got to do something about this. Yeah. They find this poor woman, obviously deceased, apartment ransacked, everything of value had been taken. Just not a good situation. Her body was transported to the Cook County Hospital, where she was officially pronounced dead at 4.35 p.m. on Friday, April 24th. An autopsy confirmed that Ruthie May had been shot four times, most likely with a gun of medium caliber. One bullet passed through her left shoulder, another passed through her left thigh, a third entered the right side of her abdomen, it pierced her liver and exited the left side of her abdomen, and then the fourth and fatal bullet passed through the right upper part of her arm, then entered her chest, severing the pulmonary vein. The medical examiner listed her cause of death as internal bleeding, adding that she probably didn't die immediately from her injuries. I was literally thinking that, too. Oh, Translation, there's a possibility that while the police were pounding on her door and shouting her name, that she was still alive but couldn't call out for help. That's so messed up. Isn't that horrible? Break the door down. What the hell? Now, they did say that she probably would have died anyway. Yeah, but still, it's but like, still, you've got to try. Absolutely. You know? If they had broken down that door, somebody might have found her still alive. Miracles happen. Whatever you want to call them, they happen. Yeah. Maybe some badass flight paramedics and flight nurses That's would have right. showed up with some blood and, and uh, resuscitated that woman. That's right. You never know. You never know. As police began their investigation, they noted a lack of any real physical evidence. Despite the victim having sustained four gunshot wounds, only one bullet and one shell casing was found, both of which had seemingly been wiped of fingerprints. Mm, They kind of know what they were doing then, too. None of the items taken from the residents were ever recovered. During interviews with the residents of the ABLA homes, 
Detectives learned that people had been breaking into apartments there via the medicine cabinets for over a year prior to Ruthie May's death. Stop with the medicine cabinet thing. No. What? You see, criminals had learned that the ABLA projects had a weird architectural anomaly. A crawl space which was intended to provide access to plumbing fixtures if maintenance was needed, existed behind the bathroom cabinets, giving anyone who removed their own bathroom cabinet access to the crawl space and therefore access to the neighboring apartments by also removing those cabinets. The design sounds like a good idea until you think of, like, yeah, the logistics of it. (laughs) Like, if just one person figures out that if you remove both mirrors that, like, You can get into someone's apartment. And this has been going on for over a year. How horrifying to be inside your own apartment and have to, like, barricade the door of the bathroom. Yeah, or, like, I don't know, hot glue your mirror onto the wall. I don't even know what you would do. Like, what would I do to try to prevent that? Because I'd be doing something. I can't barricade my bathroom at night. (laughs) Yeah, I have to go. Where am I going to pee? I have to go for two hours. Yeah. No. I pee like three times while I sleep. I would have to do something to that mirror, though. Like that's Not while wild. I sleep. I get up and to I pee. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me think of uh, Golden Girls. I think I've even said this on the podcast yeah. before. With Sophia, and she's mm-hmm. like, every morning at 8 a.m., like clockwork, I pee. Trouble is, I don't wake up until 9. <laughs> 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 but no, like that's bananas. And I feel like that's legally something you probably should have to tell someone before they move in. But I bet they don't. No. This they bet, was, they probably don't. let's be honest, this was a poor black yes. community in the, in the 80s and people... Like, you should be grateful that we built you somewhere yeah. to live, okay? People who were overseeing these facilities yeah. were obviously trash and didn't care yeah. about... Safety. Safety and it's quality like, look, of life we gave life you a place, look at these, these low-income places to live, look at how wonderful we are. Optics, optics, optics. Don't talk about those crawl spaces, though. Don't let yeah. anybody know about that. That's just Don't wild. talk about all the deaths that occur. Right. Ugh, cover it up. Cover it up. <sighs> okay. Mm-hmm. So just in case anyone was wondering, Ruthie May's medicine cabinet was, in fact, missing, as was the one from apartment 1108. Remember, she's 1109. Yes, yes. All right. So law enforcement focused their investigation on the people who had occupied apartment 1108 on the night that a murder took place in apartment 1109. Sure. Pretty quickly, and I say quickly, it was literally the day after Ruthie May's body was discovered, a man by the name of Tim Brown made a witness statement to police regarding the crime. Tim said that he was hanging out in apartment 1108 on the night in question with two men whose names were Edward Turner and John Hondras. Tim claimed that he witnessed Edward and John break into apartment 1109 via the medicine cabinet just before hearing several gunshots. Oof. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. He stated that the two men then returned to apartment 1108 with items matching the description of those that were missing from the victim's home. Sure. Yeah. He'd probably describe all the items, too, if he saw them all. Anything that looked like it might be worth anything, like right? Like a TV? Yeah. Both Edward Turner and John Hondras were arrested and charged with the robbery and murder of Ruthie May McCoy. Okay, good. I was hoping this wasn't going to be an unsolved situation. Well. Oh, no. <laughs> I spoke too soon. Just a tad. I took a tad too soon. However, in a trial which began in March of 1990, both men were found not guilty. 
due to lack of physical evidence linking them to the scene and because of inconsistencies in Tim Brown's story slash testimony. It was just a witness statement, really. That's all there was, well, right? And there were a lot of inconsistencies, and I read a bunch about it, but like my kind of Cliff's Notes version is, is it sounds like he testified to the wrong date that the crime happened, and okay. he also said that the home invasion didn't take place until 1130 on the night in question. I see. And we know that that wasn't the case because the 911 calls yeah. were placed at like 845, before, yeah, before nine n- yeah, 902 and 904. Uh, so that couldn't have been correct. And uh, it also, also makes you wonder, too, if he like was just trying to pin it on someone else. Exactly. And that's that's the next thing I have here is it also seems that he was pretty heavily discredited as a witness by the defense who argued that he was actually the one who perpetrated the crime. And he was just trying to spin the story so that he didn't look guilty. But now he's had all this time to cover up anything that he thinks could be evidence, you know, cover his tracks and all of that. So technically, as much as I hate to say this to you, Ashley, this remains an unsolved case, and the investigation has long since gone cold. Well, now she's just the candy man. I mean... (laughs) Okay. She's hanging out like, I'm going to make sure somebody does something eventually. You're going to figure this out because we still got time. We can yeah. figure it out. So regarding this case, having gone cold and identifying some of the reasons why we're discussing it here today, I wanted to close the story with some direct quotes from the article that I read on the lineup website. I'll link to it in the show notes. It's an article that was written by Vernita Vegara. Uh, and it was published on July 29th of 2021. So pretty recently, darn recently. Yeah. yeah. And this is literally just a full quote. Quote, unfortunately, crimes committed in Chicago's public housing projects rarely garnered widespread media coverage, especially when the victim was a mentally ill black woman. In fact, the only reason the McCoy murder case made the Chicago Tribune as a news brief was because detectives learned that killers had entered the home from an adjacent apartment by breaking through the bathroom's medicine cabinet. Perhaps the case of Ruthie May McCoy would have been forgotten had Candyman not hit the theaters a few years later. Not only did the film feature details to her murder, such as the Chicago Project setting and a duplicitous bathroom mirror, one of the characters bore the last name McCoy. I didn't even think about that. I didn't either until I read this. What? With a new Candyman film set to premiere in summer 2021, as well as another protagonist with the last name McCoy, it looks like the real-life case of Ruthie Mae McCoy will live on in our collective memories. End quote. This is wild. I can't believe I didn't know any of this. (laughs) You just blew my whole mind open. And the very last thing I want to say is, is just something that I myself want to say. And uh, Vernita did not mention it in that, obviously, that piece of the article that I just read. But I want to say it because the original Candyman was one of my favorite movies. And I also wanted to point out that the original Candyman, the 1992 Candyman, starts with uh, grad student Helen Lyle mm-hmm. looking into a woman's death. Mm-hmm. A woman who called 911 saying that someone dangerous and scary was coming through the walls in her bathroom, but nobody believed her. It literally is like, you know, every horror movie has that like opening sequence. Mm-hmm. It's like you feel like isn't relevant to the yep. rest of the story, but it truly is relevant yep. to like the real story. <gasps> what? Yep. A woman who also turned up dead in her apartment. You literally forget about that part of the movie. Uh-huh. And 
a woman whose name was... Shut the front door. Ruthie. Literally, that's not like, I love that movie too. And it's not one thing, that's not the part that you think about when you no. think about that. <gasps> that woman's name, away. that woman's name was Ruthie Jean. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the yeah. real victim's name was Ruthie May. Yeah, but, but still. This, like, when it's you, a, it's a hat tip. When you connect all the similarities. Holy crap. That's insane. Absolutely. Isn't that crazy? Well, yeah. And if you haven't seen the original Candyman, now is your cue to go watch it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. See if you notice any other parallels that he didn't bring up. But wow, that was. Thank Insane. you for that story. Yeah. Thanks for changing it because yeah. that was a No, because like doozy. I said, we had talked about Candyman over the weekend. Yeah. And I had listened to another podcast cover this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ruthie May. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Ruthie May McCoy. I, it just completely slipped my mind. Another podcast months ago, maybe even years ago, mm-hmm. I had heard do like the true story behind Candyman. Yeah. And just in talking with you this weekend, I was like, I'm going to cover this for Ashley because yeah, I bet I guess she doesn't know about there it. I have heard hints that like it was, I mean, but all horror movies are quote based on a mm-hmm. true story. So I guess you just forget or ones inspired that you know, by. Inspired by. Sure. You know, that's like Psycho and Leatherface. Yeah. And, they're all the same uh, person. Exactly. They're all inspired by. Was it Ed Kemper Gein. or Gein? Ed Gein. I always, I it always, was, yeah. it was him, a Leatherface, and uh, Norman Bates. Oh, and Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Which that's why he was always my favorite, like to study when I was younger. Because I'm like, how can you have that many characters based on one person? But yeah. like that, he had that many like layers to himself. But well, yeah, that was. Crazy. Thank you again for that. Thank yeah. you. That was great. That was a good episode. <laughs> I hope people enjoyed that. Yes. And happy spooky season, folks. Thank you. Because happy spooky season. I really wanted to do something yeah. that was like Halloween uh, relevant because you were giving this amazing update about a case sure. that we covered previously. But I was like, how well, we've already can done I do something? Before too, which yeah. is unfortunate because we could have done it for the 25th anniversary Who but knew? you know we're still going to talk about it because absolutely it's going to be a new one hello yeah maybe that will be a shallow dive if yeah, you all decide that's what one. you want that would be a good maybe first one thank you for listening to the yeah. story thanks for telling the story yeah and thank you folks for joining us again again i hope you enjoyed it and you if did. you did or did not there are many ways you can let us know slay queens pod uh gmail.com on well, you can't really let us know on Spotify. You can listen on Spotify. Mm-hmm. You can let us know on Apple iTunes and podcast, podcast, mm-hmm. Apple podcast, Patreon. You can dive into the DMs at Instagram or on Twitter. And uh, yeah. Yeah. We're pretty active in like both Queen's of those Pod. places. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you want to get us, those are definitely the places, yeah. the email we'll and those two social medias. If you try and reach out on Facebook, we'll probably get it. Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> Facebook's not where it's at, you know? Yeah. <laughs> We're also on TikTok, but we don't do a lot there. But there. I, I do get notifications yeah. for it. So. so if you do send something, we will know. Yeah. We will know. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think. That brings us to the end. That brings us to the end. We hope that you all have had or do have, depending on when you hear this, an amazing spooky season. Have a good spooky season. Yes. And uh, we would hope that you would go out and. Go out and slay queens. Slay queens. Just not each other. Just not each other. And not like your... Not your neighbor. Your don't neighbor. crawl into their house. No, Just that's don't weird. do it. Stay in your own house. Stay in your own house. <laughs> and 
this could literally never have been me. I'd have been too distracted at just looking at myself in the mirror to take down the cabinet. Am I right? <laughs> I, if I take this down, what happens if it breaks and I won't have a mirror? Yeah, forget exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> no, I'm not willing to risk it. Nope. Bye, y'all. Bye.